0: hey everyone. welcome back to How to live the podcast. We are your hosts, Jess and Steph Dadon, and in a very funny turn of events, um, It's Saturday morning and I just got back from yoga and I dislocated my knee about 40
1: minutes ago. So this is the first time How to Live the podcast has been recorded while one of us is horizontal. Um, bear with us. We'll see how we go. And I've popped
0: a couple of Nurofen. Um, right now. I'm in a fair amount of pain, but I think that my head is feeling unfoggy enough just to produce
1: an excellent episode. So I am excited for today. Well, and I think we're really excited about this topic that we're going to be chatting about. So I think that is going to get you through it. Totally. Okay. So
0: talk us through the week. What happened this week? I feel like this week went so quickly.
1: It was a big week. I know. I don't know where it's gone either. I think... I got back from overseas and we have just been playing catch up. It's actually quite nice sometimes when we don't have so many things going on. You know, we often have like events and we're just like running around like headless chooks. So it was a little bit nice this week to just like be in the office and be able to work together as a team. We have been brainstorming some really exciting things about how we can like, you know, incorporate wellness into the team a little bit more. Mm. You know, we've talked about this before, how we hate the like, Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, because some like old white dude probably thought that up in the 1800s. Absolutely. Um, screw him. Screw him. So we'll Screw defi- the patriarchy. <laughs> we'll definitely be doing a podcast episode on that at some point, and we actually want to get the team involved in an episode as well. So Yeah, I think that will be so fun. Same. I feel like they have so much to bring. We have such an awesome team. They're all,
0: Anytime we bring it up in the office, they're all a little bit apprehensive, and they're like, we don't want to be on your podcast. And we're like, we don't care.
1: <laughs> (laughs) Well, like that's why it'll be so much fun when you are on it because you don't want to be on it. So wait to hear from that Um, and stick around to the end of the episode today to hear who is on next week. We have a very exciting interview planned that we is just fresh off the press but today we will be talking about getting scrappy. Our favorite topic. It we really is. love
0: to get scrappy. Like put me on a budget. Let me think of some creative ideas. I feel like that is where we thrive.
1: Well and I think that the thing is when you don't have budget to spend is when you're gonna have to get really creative. If you if someone gave you like five grand and they were like okay cool spend this you'd just be like uh you I think you'd get a bit lazy you know. You'd You get a bit lazy and that's not where you do your most creative thinking. Whereas if you are restricted and if we're like, right, we have a few hundred bucks to spend on this, how can we do, how can we have the most impact? Then you're forced to go into your brain and be like, all right, how can I just come up with something epic?
0: Exactly. And that's how the New York Fashion Week launch, $500 launch kind of came about. If you haven't um, had a listen to that story that we did, um, you
1: should go back and check it out. I think it was the tubes episode, um, building a shoe brand, which you should definitely go back and listen to. But we were having a chat and we feel like, you know, from creating a pop-up store out of total scratch to generating media or networking, we just have come up with so many different ways, um, you know, throughout building How to Live in Tubes that we've really completely gotten down and dirty and pulled something massive off for a really little budget. And we thought that would be Um, a really fun thing to share with you guys today.
0: Yeah, so I guess um, to start with, we can kind of talk about like setting up our pop-ups and things like that on a budget. So I remember the first time we were doing a pop-up store on Chapel Street. It was like a really big deal for us. We had this massive store. We wanted to make it look so beautiful and we were kind of coming up with a, trying to come up with a budget, trying to figure out how much money we should be spending on this. And I remember like the advice that we got given which actually in hindsight is so funny but like i think someone was like you know you're gonna need to spend between Fifteen to twenty thousand dollars to really make this look amazing. Whoa! Yeah, and
1: like we were, we're all- like, well, you know, how are we even going to make that amount of money? That's absurd. Yeah. Like this and is like, a pop up for one month in Christmas. And when you're
0: going into these sorts of things, you have absolutely no idea how much money you can make. Like you, you can budget, but like in reality, like you don't actually know. So for a small business,
1: obviously, that's a huge amount of money that we can put out and um, an amount of money that we just didn't have. Well, and just to let you know. So we had hired this store on Chapel Street and because Chapel Street there are a lot of empty stores we'd managed to negotiate our way into a pretty great lease and we did that we literally drove up and down Chapel Street and we would just call any real estate agents numbers that we saw and a lot of them were like nope sorry uh, we're not interested in a short-term lease and we just pushed and pushed until we found this store and while it was a big store and it had a lot of potential it had a lot of work needing to be done like it was yeah. dirty it was gross it was gross. It, it was had been gross. like a clearance store before this and
0: I think also to mention like when we were kind of chatting to people about getting the store to real estate agents you know everyone was kind of trying to lock us into a 12-month lease so that was definitely super difficult for us to find someone who was willing to do like a one to four month and we were pretty like You know, we were pretty fluid about what we kind of were committing to. We were like,
1: we'll definitely do one month and then we'll see. Like, we left it very open-ended. Because we didn't know how it was going to go. And for us, we were like, look, if this does well, we can be here longer. So... I think going in with that definitely helped us get it across the line and we actually did end up staying for five months or so so for it was sure win-win.
0: so we kind of we looked at like a bunch of different options and we were like we just can't spend this amount of money so what we actually ended up coming up with was this theme of pink and so how to live is very pink pink is my favorite color Steph is it your favorite color I think it is yeah it's just a fun color and everyone likes it this was kind of a bit before I want to say pink had such a moment but it was it Already like
1: in invoke and we thought you know if we do one color it's going to be a lot easier like if we just get a whole big bucket of paint and we paint all of this furniture that we find with this same color then it's going to look a lot better than if we just like pull a bunch of random stuff together and we're not really sure how that it's all going to fit together
0: exactly so what we basically ended up doing was like going to Ikea, going to Kmart, going to Salvo's and just basically getting as much furniture as we needed. Like we got fixtures and fittings. We got like tables to display accessories on. We got all these different things and just went to Bunnings, got like the
1: biggest can of paint we could. And actually you can get at Bunnings, you can get made up a paint color, like any paint color that you want. Yeah, you
0: can just show them a swatch and they scan it and then they like break down the components of the color and they make it for you. It's pretty cool. It's kind of fancy. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, So that's what we did. And I mean, look, it took like four days to paint everything. By the end of it, I had like, I had... Um, smelled so many paint fumes that I was fully delirious. All I saw was pink. All I dreamt about was pink. It was a lot of pink. Lucky you. But it was so worth it because like I remember when we set up the store, I remember the first night that we set up the store, um, a couple of our cousins came by just like completely coincidentally. They were driving by from an event they'd been at and they just like their jaws dropped to the floor with how amazing it looked. And they were like, how did you guys do this? Like, how did you pull it off? And how we much were like, money did you spend on this?
1: Yeah. And we were just like, we don't know how we pulled it off, but it looks amazing. And I, there was like... We wanted to have like something in there that was going to be really Instagrammable. Like we wanted to have like a piece de la resistance. And do you like my French? Yeah. Um, Very good. Thanks. So we actually looked on Instagram and we found some inspo where there was just like this wall that looked like it was made out of pink boxes. And we were like, okay, we can get around this wall. Um, But we were like, how are we going to make it? And someone that was working with us at the time, Kim, came up with this idea of doing Pink cake boxes. Genius. So clever. So literally started Googling pink cake boxes. I think we got something like 200 or something crazy like that. Something insane. And actually, just remembered, we built the whole wall like one box at a time, so taping them down. Yeah,
0: so essentially it was just a wall that we stacked pink boxes on top of each other so it just looked like a bunch of like pink squares.
1: It was so pretty and we put it up on the first day and it was like half done and it had literally taken like, you know, something like eight hours to get all of these boxes up there and then it came tumbling down. Literally
0: the entire thing fell down. I remember like... there was like a whole team that was assembling the cake box wall and then i think they had gone home because it was like job well done home (laughs) time now like a few of us stayed behind to get the rest of the store ready and then just turned around and it was like like a massive wave in the ocean just one by one no and like we had already um merged the entire wall as well so there was like um, earrings hanging on the wall and sunglasses hanging on the wall and like some of it broke. Like it was a bit of a disaster. But we ended up like the next day we went and got like some more fancy tape. We retaped it and then it like literally stayed
1: up for four months, no issues. Well, and I think it was because it was lucky that it happened before we opened because then for we sure. realized we haven't stuck it down properly. Um, and so the next day we spent like double the amount of time getting it really stuck up there Um, so the store looked amazing if you haven't seen photos of it we'll put a link in the show notes to some of our Instagram pics of it and broadsheet ended up actually doing um, a piece on it where they like shared all these photos from the store which we were really proud of and we just felt like it looked like You know, it it looked completely unique. Like when people would walk down Chapel Street, they'd be like, oh, it's the Pink Store, which we just loved. Yeah, well, and
0: I think the feedback that we kind of got was this doesn't even look like a store and it was almost – it was unintentional, but by having, by not having the budget to be able to go to like a proper place that does shop fixtures and fittings, we were able to give it like its own personality and its own flair. So it was like a real
1: blessing that we kind of had to do that because I think it's what really made us stand out. For sure. I agree. And I think we've taken that learning Um, And anytime we do create a pop-up space now, we really think, all right, let's not think about a store. Let's think about an inviting space that people want to be in. Like for that one, we really like made it feel like it was our wardrobe that people could walk into and go shopping. And I think that like having that kind of like heart to it really makes people connect with it and and feel at home in our space. 100%. So you're so right. We definitely took that learning.
0: And I guess like it's funny because when we talk about our mentors and like you know we're always talking about like amazing people that give us so much advice but that's just another thing that shows you that like you know you just have to trust yourself like that those were some amazing mentors that were giving us the advice that we needed to spend that money and and they weren't wrong like you know for what they were envisaging for the store that we did need that money but you know we stayed true to what we know and we like we're like we're great at getting scrappy we know we can make this look good so then more recently when David Jones um, kind of asked us if we could do a pop-up in their space and you know looking at what that could look like we immediately
1: knew oh it's not just gonna be a rack with some shoes that's not our thing. But we also had this outer challenge of we were like okay well David Jones is like this really big store and mm. you know. It like was that, super daunting. It was daunting and we were like we have to work with their visual merchandising teams and it can't you know just look like homemade it really needs needs to be as professional as possible. And they gave us the entrance to the store on on the ground level. And so we were like, this is the first thing that people are going to see when they walk into David Jones. This has got to be unbelievable. Totally. Like, you know,
0: people often say to us, like, how do you have these ideas? Like, how do you know what to do? And look, we're not going to lie to you. We like, they wanted us to come up with an idea, I think like two months out and literally probably every few days, Steph and I would sit down at the beginning of those two months and like from the two months and then until our store, we would sit down
1: every few days and
0: say to each other, okay, what's it going to be?
1: And we'd literally just sit there with crickets. And you know what I think part of the problem is now that I'm thinking about it is that we kept going on Pinterest. and. We kept trying to Pinterest something and trying to find something that had already existed. Yeah, And in that case, we just weren't finding it. Like I think sometimes like Pinterest sparks an idea in you and it can be a really great resource, but sometimes you just kind of need to clear your mind and just think about what's right in front of you and your like specific scenario and You're I think so right. until we sat down one day with total clear heads there was you know there it was, was a week and a half before the pop-up so and we were I, really we had no time to play with and I remember we got out of the like our regular office space and we went and we sat down in the kitchen we said right today is the
0: day that the idea is going to come to us this is the day we are ready to receive Let's come up with the idea. You're right. We manifest. Yeah, it. Yeah, we fully, fully did.
1: And, I, and we've done that a few times and it's actually worked. And I reckon it fully works. Yeah, 100%. You put it out into the universe. This is going to happen today. And what we started to do was we started to like break down what are we launching? Because for us, you know, we don't like to just be like, oh, it's a shoe pop-up. So let's have shoe displays. We like to be like, what is the meaning behind this? What are we trying to achieve? And the two things we came up with were... The theme of our collection is Neo Tokyo. So we want it to be like this futuristic Tokyo kind of vibe. And the other thing was, it's the sneaky. So we call our sneakers the sneaky. So And, and we always had the tagline of we're up to something sneaky. So we're like, how can we make it sneaky? And yeah, I remember, we're like, that's so cute. Like we're up to something sneaky. Like how can we use that to get people engaged? And I remember we started to say like, well I'm, I'm picturing like sneaky and we started to say like we were picturing like an art display we, yes. were, we really like were taking like you know like an exhibition kind of vibe as, yeah. as inspiration and we kept saying imagine if there was like a thing that you could pop your head inside and you could see like this little world inside like if we had a big box and you popped your head inside it yeah so it and there was there like the sneaky world like that was you in order to see the sneakers like you had to pop your head into the world and like we imagine like a miniature world with like sneakers in it or something like it always starts as a really unreal Realistic idea like how would we even create that but it doesn't matter and I think that's the thing about creative brainstorming is that you can't say no you just have to be like yes and and keep going with it. Yes and I love that
0: advice that's such good advice yeah so then we kind of like I guess like we kept we we started doing these like hand gestures and it's funny because I just saw you doing them and I remember because it was like oh and what if you picked things up and underneath things there were like sneakers and there were some other like neo-Tokyo things and so we kind of came to this idea of, um, you know, like those kind of master chef are in like, I don't know, very, very fancy restaurants, like the big silver domes that sit over your food. It's called a cloche. I only learned that after trying to figure out what these were. Sorry, Bo's barking in the background. <laughs> um, so we were like, oh, okay, it'll be so cool. We'll have these cloches and then you'll pick them up
1: and underneath some will be sneakers and underneath others will be... Food and other fun things. Well, and with them, we kind of brought the Tokyo into it. So we we're like, oh, under one of them, we could have a plate of fake sushi. And we happened to have these fake sushi magnets that we had stocked at the How to Live store earlier that year. So it turns out cloches are hard to find and very, very,
0: very expensive. Um, so rather than buying them, what we ended up doing was going to Ikea, finding some silver metal bowls um, and kind of like turning them upside down. Like the kind that cost a few bucks. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, we turned them upside down. We put doorknobs. We bought doorknobs also from Ikea and just drilled them into like the bottom of the bowl and then literally just spray painted them pink. The spray painting was probably the most strenuous part. It took about a day because like you had to wait
1: for it to dry. And I think that's a thing with these things is often that like, you know, they take more time than they do money. And when you're on a budget, you have time, but you have no money. So exactly.
0: Yeah. And they honestly, it looked incredible. The amount of people, like I would say over a thousand people
1: lifted those clashes over the weekend oh, that we were there. Oh, 100%. Like as we would stand there, you would have two or three people looking at it at all times yeah
0: david jones was so excited we got amazing content it looked insane and like yeah we didn't spend a lot of money
1: actually when we were setting it up um someone from the store came up and said this is the coolest vm i've ever seen in this store and we were like whoa yeah. like that's <laughs> well, so how cool. cool is that? really cool um so yeah i think that like you know our, our biggest learning from that was just again that like the idea was really what made that so fantastic 100% like, and like we we didn't settle
0: I think that was also like sometimes like like I feel like I am more inclined to settle than you are like if it's getting close to a deadline I get quite nervous and frazzled and I'm like oh let's just do this but like you're always like no like let's not do that let's do better and like I feel like that's so great you need someone like really driving that to say
1: like even if it's 12 hours before you could make something epic happen. Totally, yeah. You've just got to have that positive attitude of, no, this is going to be the best thing ever. I think in me that comes from the fact that I'm a perfectionist and I can't Mm. imagine it being there and me not being totally happy with it because I wouldn't sleep at night. Yeah. But yeah, you just like knowing that it can come from within you like we did that day when we sat down in the kitchen – is the key.
0: Yeah and I think that that just comes from like believing in yourself like and it's like there's
1: no better person to do it than you like if you if you can't do this no one can. Totally and so we did get some pretty cool press on that like the Urban List wrote about it and we had a couple of awesome publications uh, writing about it and on that we were kind of chatting about like this topic of getting scrappy and we feel like we have gotten really scrappy in order to get some really awesome press. So
0: one of our favorite stories from this has to be Coachella. So um, a few years ago, we kind of, with Tubes, like when we think about like what's our Tubes girl doing, like where is she, what sort of festivals is she going to, what does her life look like, particularly at the time we were like, she's at Coachella. So Coachella was coming up and, If you guys haven't seen like the brands that activate at this festival, like they spend so much money, it's crazy. And we were like, well, we don't have that amount of money, but we wanna get involved in this festival and we don't wanna
1: let the money aspect stop us. So we came up with this idea where I mean, I think we talked about flying over to Coachella for a second. Then we were like, you know, we cannot afford this. This is just like never going to work. But we were like, how can we make it as if Tubes was at Coachella when it wasn't? So what we did was we contacted a bunch of people that we found through Instagram, just looking at the Coachella geotag and seeing that people had been there last year. And we were like, they don't necessarily need to be influencers or have a following. We just want people that are going to be at the festival wearing them so we can create this buzz of like tubes being all over the festival. So we found a bunch of people that had been at the festival last year, reached out to them and said, are you going again this year? And obviously, you know, Coachella has this like diehard fan base that won't miss a Single festival. So we found like 20 or so girls, and they all were going to Coachella and they all would love to wear tubes totally separately. Like some were a couple of friends and some were just going on their own. And then we actually did the exact same thing, but for photographers. So we checked out photographers who had been at the Coachella, tagging Coachella the year before. We reached out to some and we said, you know, is anyone happy to go and meet up with these girls that are going to be wearing tubes and capture content? So we found a girl and she had awesome, you know, awesome skills. And she was a photographer and a videographer. And she went and we created this whole schedule all the while sitting in freezing cold Melbourne while this like amazing festival's going on and coordinating this photographer videographer to meet up with all these girls and take this epic content at Coachella of these girls wearing tubes. And we ended up having like, you know, people were like getting into like the VIP section wearing tubes. People were meeting celebrities wearing tubes. And like we were seeing it all unfold on Instagram and we just couldn't believe this content that we were getting orchestrating it all from Melbourne.
0: Yeah. And like, so just to be clear on this, like these girls that we had sent our shoes to, they weren't influencers. They were literally just at Coachella. And like the purpose of us giving them shoes was for us to then be able to use that content and say, look at all the tubes that are at Coachella, like tubes is taking over Coachella. So from that amazing content that we got, we then started to contact press saying exactly that. Look at tubes taking over Coachella. These were the issues at Coachella. And it's not that Thousands of people were wearing our shoes at Coachella. It was just that, like, the 25 girls in our photos that we
1: were sending the press, those were the ones wearing tubes at Coachella. And now I always laugh when I see, like, other articles of, like, this thing was taking over. And I'm like, was it or were there 20 people wearing it? (laughs) Exactly.
0: So basically, what ended up happening was BuzzFeed wrote an article saying, like, check out these shoes at Coachella. Like, they just completely took over, linking to our website. There were all these amazing photos. And it literally looked like we did exactly that. We basically stormed Coachella through the back door. (laughs)
1: 100%. And like, you know, we also like we edited, I actually edited like using iMovie, I edit together videos very easily. Um, so I edited together this video of like a lot of the content that we got. And it's this awesome video of like, you know, yeah, it looked like Tubes had shot a campaign at Coachella. And we I remember we used that as like our Facebook header. We used that to run ads on. And it was just like, you know, amazing all around. We got press, we got content. It was just pretty incredible. Totally. So actually speaking of LA, um, there was something else that we did that was pretty scrappy genius that yeah. we were chatting about and um, On the topic of networking. So, you know, like networking can be quite daunting for people. And you've heard us talk before about how we don't love just like cold networking where you show up to an event and you just like have to chat to everybody and have to be so on and charismatic. And often I feel like just like I get so uncomfortable in those situations and I have nothing to say. 100%. Like I just want to be
0: at home on the couch
1: with my animals and with my
0: mom and with my fun. And so I'm fun, by the way, in case you're <laughs> wondering. <laughs> she um, calls me fun. So basically, and like what we always do with networking and what we really encourage other people to do is like, how can you add value to the people that you want to connect with? So it's not how can they add value to you? Because, you know, ultimately they will add value. But making that initial contact point it's you really want to be able to give something to them that's how to create a lasting relationship where both parties are really
1: like invested and involved definitely and I feel like we've come up with this um, concept. I want to name it targeted networking. So mm. rather than like going out and like trying to meet people cold, we have come up with this way of like, you know, seeking out people and then being like, what can I offer them? And that's kind of how you create this connection.
0: Exactly. So we had moved to LA. I would want to say it was in 2014. 15? I think it was 2015. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. So we had moved to LA and at the time I was like, big into nail art like i was just like loving doing my own nail art also she was kind of amazing at it i was very good at it i i like i I can paint and and look to be honest big secret about nail art it's just about the tools that you have if you have those tiny little paint brushes you can buy them on ebay and
1: anyone can be good at it but well you taught me how to do it and like i am not artistic at all but you taught me how to do it in the right way. Like I wouldn't have picked it up on my own, but I guess like a YouTube tutorial could have been the same thing that like, once I could do it, I, I wasn't as good as you, but I could do it and it could look good. 100%. So basically,
0: when we were in LA, we really wanted to meet um, some like really great influencers because we were at this stage of really like growing the How to Live brand and we wanted them to kind of like share things about us on their own channels and we were like looking at ways we could grow our own account. So we were like, why don't we offer to do
1: people's nail art that could be a really great way of meeting people in LA and I think other people at the time are like meeting up with each other like influencers, and like taking photos and stuff and like It was just never what we loved doing, being in front of the camera. And this was a way that we could like go and be creative and meet these people. And, you know, they could share us, but it didn't have to be having photo shoots every other day. Totally. So like
0: everything that we do, you know, we like wrote to so many people. Like if we wanted to do 20 people's nail art, we probably wrote to 400. Like, you know, we were expecting that many no's and we received that many no's. And we were just basically saying, hey, we're two Aussies in, in um in LA right now, we do nail out. We'd love to do yours.
1: Um, And we ended up meeting some amazing people like David Hasselhoff's daughter. Taylor Hasselhoff. And she was on Rich Kids of Beverly Hills at the time, which we were watching. So oh, I we forgot were, about that. Yeah. So we were so excited to be able to meet her. And like, you know, we just... We ended up becoming friends with these people and like we would meet up with them, do their nail art. They would share it on Instagram and then we would kind of create this amazing connection. It's kind of like podcasting as well where like I love when you do something like this with someone that like you don't just get to meet them for a second. They're kind of forced to sit there with you for an hour. So you end up chatting and inevitably becoming friends. So true. And it was actually so it was so clever of us in hindsight. Like it was really
0: cool. And like to be in a new city as well, it was just like a fun activity it was a cool way to meet people and then what we also ended up doing was offering it to brands so we ended up like doing a few events with nasty gal which was an absolute dream and fashion bunker yeah and like it just meant that again like we had that value add like yeah we were influencers and we could work with them on that front but then we were also doing nail art which was like a cool thing that they could offer their
1: customers totally
0: So I guess, you know, what we really learn from that is we can sit here and say that we're not good at networking and we really don't like it. But like at the end of the day, you just have to figure out what will work for you. And if it's you know, going to someone's house and painting their nails while you guys watch TV together, then if that works for you, that's great.
1: Totally. Like you just, if you're not good at being in a room full of people and you're better at connecting with people one-on-one, then do it that way. If you're better at connecting with people digitally, then try to connect with them digitally. Just kind of figure out a way of networking that's going to work for you and really think about what you can add to somebody else, not what they can add to you. Totally. Um,
0: that was cool. That was such a great... Chat And also, like, fun to do a bit of a trip down memory lane for
1: us. Totally. And I think, like, those are some stories that, like, we have deep in our brains that, like, we never even remember ourselves. So that's really cool. Um, I think we better go because I think you better start icing your knee again.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm really upset about my knee. So, guys, it's my birthday weekend this weekend. And um, and it's
1: your birthday on Wednesday.
0: It's my birthday on Wednesday. But so today I was supposed to be um, going away with my friends for the weekend. And we were going to, like, go out and have a beautiful dinner tonight. We were maybe going to go dancing. And I am just, like absolutely gutted about this situation but I know I'm gonna go deal with it I'm sure it will turn around and I'm gonna go see a physio and figure it
1: out and you're gonna have some drinks with your knee up things could be worse Things could be worse. I think we'll all just be your personal servants for the weekend. So <laughs> that's really I do good. actually have a bell from when I had an operation. Oh, so maybe perfect. I should bring that. Let's crack that out. All right. Well, if you did find this episode was useful for you, please, we would love you to share it and spread the word. Also, leave us a review. Uh, tell us what you think. And if you have anything you want to chat about or want to share how you got scrappy, please DM us on Insta. We yeah. love to hear from you. Totally. So next week on the podcast, we have a super exciting, inspiring, amazing, energetic guest. Oh my God, guys, this one is epic. So it's Shannon Martinez and she is the co-founder of Smith and Daughters and Smith and Deli which are these two crazy, incredibly delicious restaurants that just happen to be vegan. They have taken Melbourne completely by storm over the last few years. They have built such a diehard following. It's impossible to get into either of these places, but it is so totally worth the wait. And here is a little snippet from that one. This is, in my mind, what's going to turn um, veganism into a completely mainstream thing and reduce meat consumption almost completely is the minute that we can make something vegan that tastes exactly the same as meat um, is as good for you and cheaper. Why would you not? Why would you eat something that was alive if you literally could eat something that was plant-based and couldn't tell the difference?
0: Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll see you next week.
1: And happy birthday, Jess. (laughs) Na 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 na.